Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor's going to distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.com. FM to get started. You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. The AfterBuzz Studios in Los Angeles, California. Presented by Maria Menounos and Bing.com. And streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies. This is AfterBuzz TV's Game of Thrones After Show. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest news and gossip. If you'd like to buzz in on tonight's show, you can buzz us at 424-256-1729. That's 424 424- Two five six seventeen twenty nine, and now another post game wrap up show for your favorite TV show. It's After Buzz TV's Game of Thrones After Show. What a season finale, guys! I am so excited to be talking about episode ten of Game of Thrones because we're After Buzz and being as we're doing, so we're doing the season finale of Game of Thrones and. For those of you watching on YouTube, we're actually at the John Lovitz Comedy Club right now. And for those of you joining in on the live chat, unfortunately, I don't have my iPad open. I am sorry because of where we are, but we have a live audience here. Super exciting. Thank you guys for coming. Thank you guys. Watching the show with us while we're furiously upstairs taking pages and pages of notes. But, guys, thank you for joining us once again. I am Dave Klein, and joining us today, we have Sarah Stratton right next to me. And to my left, Kristen Snyder. Hello, guys. (laughs) And we have two very special guests with us. You might know him from a little show people our age might know, Boy Meets World, Ryder Strong. Glad to be here. (laughs) And over way far away in the corner, really far. (laughs) All the way at King's Landing. Probably out the door somewhere. (laughs) We have from... North of the wall. (laughs) North of the wall. (laughs) He's actually a wildling. Come down here right now. (laughs) Come down. From AMC's The Killing, Eric Layden. Thank you guys so much for joining us tonight. Also huge fans of the show. I know Eric Layden, Marathon Season 1 in two days, I believe. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Congratulations. All, about 25 to 26 hours, yeah. That's the only problem about watching it on TV is you have to wait every week. Yeah, it's not good. It's not as good as uh, Season 1 was... That was the best for me. It didn't get better than that. No, only because I got to watch it, you know, back to back. I didn't sleep for, right. you know, it's two like days. one twelve-hour movie, basically. Yeah, it's yeah. just me and my coffee, and you know. I mean, that's pretty much what's great about these shows too. It does feel like a movie, but you get ten movies, and every week it's a new movie. But let's go ahead and jump into tonight's episode and the things that happen, the events that we that unfold, and we start off at the twins with a phrase, and the first thing that we see is the Stark's banners are on fire. And Arya, unfortunately, has woken up and gets to see what looks like Rob Stark's body with his direwolf on his head. 
So what a pretty sight to see. Um, I'm sure she's, uh, she doesn't have any problems going on mentally right now. <laughs> I mean, you kind of carried over the tone from last week's episode where we go straight back into the monstrosity of the Red Wedding. And I was like, oh no, another, another episode's going to kill me. I just, it was horrifying. I think, Sarah, can. you ran outside the door screaming when, after last week. Is that right? Yeah, I didn't do very well. I I, kind of... Honestly, the, I felt from last week we were missing a bit of a battle scene, so I was glad that we still got the continuation of that this week. And this show like, teaches us to root for good, but sometimes that there's not always good to be found in this world. Let's also preface that with you love death. <laughs> you, you, without your battle scenes, are just not happy. <laughs> if right. you've been listening to the show, we know this about Kristen Snyder. She loves her death. But yeah, last, that's a good point. <laughs> that is a good point, though. Last, last week, since we end with the Red Wedding, it's kind of just that sad note of everything that happened within the actual wedding itself. You didn't get to see the action and craziness happening outside of the twins. So you get to see that. And again, this is the second time that Arya's had to see one of her family members without his head. So, again, brutal for Arya. <laughs> Good I call, I forgot. Yeah, I didn't connect it that directly either. Oh. But the Hound takes her away, and that, they end up um, coming across these soldiers who are talking about killing people, and Arya, not too happy because of these events that have unfolded, goes and asks them for just, you know, just a little warmth. No big deal, right? <laughs> I'm so proud of Arya, and I can't wait until... Because of is... death, right? <laughs> I mean, this is huge for her character. This is her first kill, and this is something that, that we've been waiting for for three seasons. Well, so first I... time she's killed a man, because in season one she yeah. did kill the fat little boy with, uh, with needles, so... Right, first okay. Well, this kill. was her first gruesome graphic death and I thoroughly enjoyed it and I can't wait for her you know what I really like about this show is it portrays like Daenerys as like this great mother and god but really from a different perspective she could be a villain which I see Arya as I mean she has the god of death come on guys <laughs> she is following the darkness me, right? yeah it is what do you believe in and she always says death now so that and she always lists the names in her head of the people who she wants to kill it's like she's praying but I still love her for some reason Arya's so amazing, even though she really wants to kill people. Because she's a yeah. villain! <laughs> but Arya, Arya is my favorite character, though, so I, I agree with you, Kristen. I love when she started stabbing the guy in the back with the dagger. Apparently I'm brutal, too. I love that scene. <laughs> but after all, the, uh, after all the swords play and technique she learned in season one... Like, that wasn't that great, you know? I yeah. mean, it was like a quick Yeah, and then the hound kind of like, yeah, jumped in and yeah, saved her ass. Yeah, yeah, so was kind of looking for, like, a little yeah. bit more medieval. I'm yeah. She's got to start small. Like, she's got to pull the sneak attacks while she still can. You right. Know? Gotcha. We need right. to build up to the battle scenes, Arya. Gotcha. You know right. what, though? I'm sure the hound would say, as long as the person's dead, <laughs> then mission accomplished. That's all that matters at the end. So mission accomplished. <laughs> But she also throws out the coin that she got and, and says Valor Morghulis. And that was the coin that she says is worth more than you know. So we get that repeat of Valor Morghulis. So once again, and that was the end of season two where she talks about that and she learns the words. She is once again repeating that. So clearly the faceless man is on her mind from this scene. 
You know, she had such a traumatizing childhood that's clearly given her, that's hardened her. But I feel like with the Hound now, he's going to prepare her and guide her on this journey of revenge. And I think that he's a great influence in her life. And I'm so happy that they paired up. Oh, yeah. Great, great influence from the Hound. He's the guy you want babysitting. You know, he's just a good guy. No, just, well, Sansa, he protected Sansa in his own way, so. I really like him. And he's so attractive with that scar. I see a lot of parallels. (laughs) You know how, if you want to. We're learning so much about you tonight. (laughs) (laughs) I, uh, Chris, I have an elbow scar right now. Does that, does that work? Does that do anything? I'm getting a little turned on right here. I guess I'm a little bit like Joffrey in that I thought I'm like a little sexually stimulated by violence and cruelty. I don't know. I don't know. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> so we also get, though, we also get with the twins, though. We have Walder Frey celebrating his um, so kind wedding that he threw, the great wedding that he threw with... Bruce Bolton, who is now the Lord, and Walder Frey is now the Lord of the River Run. That we learned that is what he got out of this. He's going to become the Lord of River Run. Bruce Bolton is going to be the Ward um, of the North, and we also find out that Blackfish has escaped because he had to pee last week. So now you know if you have to piss in the middle of something, maybe it will save your life. And we Bathrooms learned- are upstairs and back over there. <laughs> Archers might be upstairs too. I mean, be careful. Yeah. But we also learn even more. We also learn from him that Ramsay is who's ca- kidnapped Theon. We finally get the name to the face and that he's the bastard son of Bolton. Yeah, so let's go ahead and jump on that because it is a Ramsay Snow because he is a bastard. Or it would be Ramsay Bolton. But Ramsay Snow is eating a sausage, taunting Theon, uh, talking about phantom limbs there. And he's just, again, just torturing and taunting Theon. And it, all this scene made me wonder... And, I heard Eric and his wife talking about how um, how they hated watching these scenes up there. I heard you guys talk She's, about that. Yeah, she doesn't watch these scenes. But it's funny to me because last season, everyone hated Theon so much for everything he did. And it, it kind of made me think about it because I agree, it's so hard watching these scenes. And you wanted this type of thing to happen to him last season, but then when you actually have to watch it and see it happen, it kind of makes you turn around And when you actually witness how brutal it really is. Yeah, I mean, you you know... You cut a man's dick off and he gets some sympathy, you know? I mean, it's like intense. Can we say that? Sorry. <laughs> you can say that. It's we fine. lost a lot of limbs this season. Yeah. And a lot of people That's felt the like... That's worst one to lose. A lot of people felt like these Theon scenes were so, like, drawn out. But I feel like the prolonged torture actually showed how psychologically injured he was and how that transformation was almost... I'm not going to say needed, but when you're, like, submerged in a in a you know, pool of pain, you're going to be a changed man. You're not going to sometimes, uh, I'm not going to get into that. You guys are just going to I would completely me, disagree with you there. Like, I I'm like still rooting against that. Theon. They really? need yeah. to be yes. submerged in torture and pain because it makes you see the other side and, and he was, he was even, awful He before. made bad decisions, but he's, yeah. also, he's always been that weak person that just mm-hmm. was always making decisions based on trying to gain admiration of others. He's so, never yeah. changed. He's never gotten back on her. He's still... Stoop down to any level. Like yeah, but I think the at the end of this episode, that the, the the scene with his sister was a real mm-hmm. redemption, and that was a nice moment because it was like finally Theon has an advocate. You know, it's like and, yeah. and and they couldn't have earned that without an entire you know awful series of tortures. Mm-hmm. Right. That's so we, true. we feel bad for him. And then when, I mean, I felt like the audience here was like, yeah, go get him. You know, yeah. when she stood up for Theon, which if that had happened at the beginning of the season, imagine we'd all be like, why Theon's yeah. such a dick? Yeah, you know, it's funny too because they play triumphant music when yeah. that happens. Like you're. Supposed supposed to be rooting for her so right. clearly that was the intention behind yeah. it 
I feel like we needed all those scenes in order to little by little gain back respect for Theon and Nomos. Right. Want him to make I it I don't know if alive. we needed all of those scenes. I would have been happy with just one. Like watching that finger get pulled off, like that yeah, one, yeah. that was enough we for me. We like, needed every single <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Kristen. Well, as, as long as they kept in the one scene where, um, where he was tricked into thinking he was saved and not, I, I still love that scene. I, I just love trickery and things like that, even though it was the not the most dick thing that happened to Theon, but one of the most... Well, there's something a little obligatory, too, about, like, torture in a medieval setting. Do you know what I mean? Like, even though, obviously, it's not, like, really a medieval setting, it's a fantasy setting, but I think that we associate a fantasy with our, you know, our own sort of medieval period of history. We need the change. Yeah, we need change, we need torture, we need a guy, like, tied up. So it all fits into our... Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, when you go to, like, medieval times, you always want to look at the torture equipment that they had there. You're so (laughs) intrigued by what does it do, and now you're getting to find out firsthand. Awesome. And now that he's been on Solid, maybe he'll be a good soldier. Oh, good point. He isn't on Solid in a way. Oh, okay. So we also get Balon Greyjoy in that scene that you were talking about with Yara, who gets the letter with the uh, box delivered with uh, Theon's bits in it. And (laughs) Balon does not care. He says, well, now that he's not a man anymore, can't extend the family line. Who cares? Who gives a crap? I don't know. So Balon, not at all, sticking up for him. And again, Yara leading the way. But as Yara moves on and sails away with 50 of the best men, we can move on and talk about King's Landing. Where in King's Landing, we have Tyrion with Sansa. And Sansa's pretty much warmed up to Tyrion at this point, which for those of you who read the books, I do want to point out that this is really different. You never get any scenes in in this moment where Sansa has at all warmed up to Tyrion. So it's kind of nice, and I feel like it's a way for in the show to make viewers like Sansa a little more than maybe everything happening in the books that she has warmed up to Tyrion. Mm-hmm. And she's kind of joking with him and acting like a 14-year-old wife. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like Tyrion's kind of a flawed hero as we get that scene with Varys talking about if anyone, he has the brains to save this land. But he could have ran off with Shay and been happy, but he had to stay in King's Landing where he was sort of relevant and he wanted to be in control. So he's sort of that flawed hero at this point, and almost obviously flawed. And actually another point with that scene is you do have Shay in the background the entire t- time during that scene where Sansa's finally being nicer to Tyrion, so it's kind of uh, nice if you ne- to notice those details like that. But we get Podrick pulling Tyrion away to talk to Joffrey, who is so excited because, man, Joffrey rocks. He's the best and so happy because Rob is dead. <laughs> totally Joffrey's doing... Obviously, because he's the king, right? But yeah, Joffrey is excited about this letter. I wasn't as excited about this death, I'm going to be honest. Like, I was disgusted by him and the fact that he was just... I mean, he was acting like a child. It became so obvious that he's, you know, he was acting probably like about a thirteen-year-old, maybe. Right. I mean, he was well, he's getting somewhere off in on between, this. like this adolescent, just like this bloodthirsty killer, but he's never actually really gone to war, done anything besides murder. Helpless women who can't stand up to him. And this scene reminded me of when Bran was talking about when the chef fed the king his son because he just kept wanting to kill more and more, and that's why he turned him to a white rat or whatever. But it really relates back to this scene how Joffrey was saying he wanted to serve Rob's head to Sansa at his wedding. Yeah, and we get this argument with Tyrion where Tyrion sticks up for his wife and says that as Joffrey calls him a monster, Tyrion says, monsters are dangerous, and right now kings are dying like flies. What a great line. So Tyrion directly Mm -hmm. threatening Joffrey in front of Cersei, in front of Tywin, and 
making pretty clear that he does not like Joffrey in front of everybody. He's done a couple times right. in the last few episodes. So and it clearly, always comes down to really Tywin stepping in to make the power move. Right. We got to give uh, Joffrey some essence of Nightshade. But it, it's great, too. <laughs> Tywin really steps up for Tyrion in a way. It's more if Tywin just realizes how horrible mm-hmm. Joffrey is and throws out, if someone has to say, I am the king, that means they're not a very good king. Sure, right. like nobody respects him. So Yeah, I love that. That's very clear. That yeah. whole idea of like you know crown power versus yeah. actual power right. and how that played out in this scene. And the other thing about this scene that I've noticed in the last couple episodes is there's a real sense of humor that is inserted yeah. into the show. I mean, even in the book, I mean, Tyrion was always funny in the book, but... Throughout the last like the last three episodes, I say like they've been having more jokes with Hodor and like, yeah. and I think it's really refreshing. It's actually sure. really nice because we know these characters so well that they're not over the top comedy. It's not played for a joke, but yeah. it's actually just naturally very funny. And right. that scene, I was you know I, I could hear everybody laughing. Like it yeah. was a really good scene. Yeah, it was a great scene. That's think, a great point as well. Yeah, I think that's sometimes when it works the best is just when you care about the characters enough, you can slip one small thing in there and. This is such a dark show in a lot of ways. It's good that they can have those moments. And yeah. even with apparently these... they're playing with like a laugh trap for next season. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. <laughs> it's like they're just like tinkering with it. It's, it's got to really lighten the mood in some yeah. way. Shoot yeah. in front of yeah. a live audience. Live audience. Yeah. Yeah. But even these scenes where Tywin's just talking back to Joffrey, everyone's laughing at the things that Tywin says because we all have such a hatred for Joffrey that's like, all right, yeah, Tywin, put him in his place. Hopefully, yeah. at some point, he has a phantom crown. <laughs> But we've got uh, also Joffrey throws in Tywin's face about his father being Robert Baratheon, so Joffrey thinks. But, I mean, that's also the thing, though. With Joffrey, he still thinks Robert Baratheon's his father. He still doesn't really realize the truth of what's happening. But after this, we have Tywin wanting to speak with Tyrion alone. And they're kind of talking about um, power and what power is and how and why Tywin did what he did. And it was really Tywin who set up everything with the phrase, who was the one that was behind everything. So it was, Tywin was the mastermind, as we find out. And Tyrion's kind of pointing out that armies are power, and Rob has a giant army, yet you still defeated him anyways. So just showing how cunning Tywin really is. I like how they said how Walter's not brave at all, but and he was still like basking in his success where he did nothing. He was still at the Red Wedding when we saw him. Walter Frey was still sitting there with his cup as they were cleaning the blood off the floors. And it just shows, you know, he's just like there, like trying to take it all in because it's the first time in his life he's kind of defeated anyone. Yeah, no, he's ruthless <laughs> too. Yeah, and one of my favorite things though in this scene of Tywin and Tyrion is for those of you who noticed, Tyrion says, Northerners will never forget, and as we all know, the North remembers. So <laughs> I, I did like that little uh, throw out there for people who realize the words of the North. I think also with the conversation between Tywin and Tyrion, for me, it brought me back to realizing I'm always rooting for Tywin, but he's not a great guy. And when you put him next to Tyrion and their history together and their family history, you get that other layer of Tywin that... Yeah, he can beat Joffrey. That doesn't make him any better. He's still responsible for hundreds of deaths, and he's pulling the strings behind the war. He's authorizing all of these kills. Yeah, and he also just wanted to, you know, take Tyrion and throw him in the sea. But Oops. as Davos pointed out, the most important part of living in this world is being able to protect your family and do whatever necessary. So at this point, Tywin is at the top because he's the only man doing that. A lot of people have lost sons. A lot of people don't exist anymore. Families are dying out. 
Yeah, I mean, although he's not the king, he's mm-hmm. clearly the king. I mean, he's, he's clearly, clearly the one running in the show. I right. thought that this scene introduced what I sort of took to be the theme of the, the episode, if not the show in general, which is, you know, an individual life versus a family legacy, too, which, you know, they, they explicitly talk about. And then the fact that he was going to send uh, Tyrion out to sea is mirrored in that scene later when Davos sends the other child out yeah. to sea to save the individual life for the sake, you know, against a family legacy. It's really interesting. I thought that, that way that all played out, yeah. you know. Yeah, they do a lot of great plays with that, especially mm-hmm. when you get to bounce back and forth between scenes. You get to see the overlaps and how one scene really is just like another, no matter what part of um, the world that you're in and what part of Westeros or Essos you're in. Mm-hmm. I really agreed with Ryder. I really think that Davos, Davos and Gendry would be like a power father and son team and I really think that we're going to see them a lot in the future mm-hmm. given that little conversation we got with them right. if, if he doesn't fall off his boat right. yeah if he doesn't fall off his boat so going back to um, King's Landing we get the fact that Tywin knows and apparently everybody knows that Tyrion still hasn't slept with Sansa and that's what Tywin wants Tyrion to really get busy with so uh, everyone seems to know this but the fact that Tyrion now has to break this news about Rob to Sansa I, I'm not quite um, nighttime mood setting yeah, I like what, what he said to Tywin. Are you going to open her legs for me? Because clearly she's never going to want to sleep with me. And, you know, if she had to be with anyone, obviously Tyrion is the nicest, kindest person left in King's Landing. And he he was almost kind of coming to... Like, he sounded like he was siding with the Starks a lot this episode and, like, sticking up for her. And he had a lot... He was noble and he had a lot of honor whenever he was speaking. He sounded yeah. like a Stark. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think Tyrion has ever particularly disliked the Starks. He always mm-hmm. kind of he does, he hates his family. He doesn't like the Lannisters right. at all. So he always sticks up for them. But what we get moving on is we have Varys chatting with Shay, and we get this scene where we find out Varys's intentions. Where Varys seems to really care about the realm, and he feels that Tyrion is the only one, the only man who can make this country a better place. So he actually really seems to favor Tyrion and like and respect Tyrion. Or so a lot. he says. Or so he says, because Varys says a lot of things. But we, we also get this scene with Shay where um, she gets this offer for diamonds, and she decides to throw them down. She doesn't want to leave because, as Varys points out, she really is in love with him. And this is actually also another huge deviation from the novel, where um, it's actually Tyrion who comes and talks to Shay about all this stuff, as opposed to Varys, and Shay again, won't leave. And Tyrion's trying to do it to protect Shay. So a little bit of a deviation for you guys who read the books. Mm -hmm. I really liked this scene because it sort of like hinted back so much about the last episode and how, you know, following your heart instead of making strategic moves is not going to end well. I mean, when you follow your heart, it seems like you are always sacrificing something, whether that's a baby or a victory. And I feel like, yeah. I'm just saying, I, I agree. I think Shay should leave if she, you know, wants peace and wants Tyrion to live as well. A little unbelievable, though, because, I mean, if you yeah. hand a woman a bag of diamonds, like, <laughs> like, they might not leave, but they're surely not throwing them back Eric, at I you. believe your wife is here, She's right? Exactly. And she will tell you that if I handed her a bag of diamonds, <laughs> like, All right, she, would, she would take them. <laughs> she like, would not give them back. Sailing across the country. <laughs> so we also have Tyrion now ends up chatting with Cersei after having a little bit of a drink with Podrick who needs to keep up and he, he admits how bad he feels for, about Sansa and Cersei doesn't seem to think that she's going to have to marry she feels pretty confident that this isn't going to happen for whatever reason and we get this thought from her where 
she wants Tyrion to give Sansa babies so she has some sort of happiness because in Cersei's life, the only source of her happiness right now is her children. Yeah, and I really like that scene because, you know, he was saying even Joffrey, and she was like, you know, I... It's kind of like Joffrey, no matter what child you have and what kind of monster you have, you need a reason to live. And in this world, motivations don't exactly appear everywhere. I mean, there's not a whole lot you can escape to. Well, Cersei's just escaping to her past. Like, she even mentions it's more about who Joffrey was as a baby in that sense of ownership and control. Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all these shows for you free is by our amazing sponsors, and today Spotify is one of our sponsors. On Spotify, you can listen to all of your favorite artists and podcasts in one place for free. You don't even need a premium account. Spotify has a huge catalog of podcasts on every topic, including the one you're listening to right now. On Spotify, you can follow your favorite podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Premium users can even download episodes to listen to offline, wherever they are, and you can easily share what you're listening to with all your friends and following on Instagram. If you haven't done so already, be sure to download the Spotify app and search for AfterBuzz TV on Spotify or browse podcasts in the Your Library tab. Also, make sure you follow us so you never miss an episode of AfterBuzz TV. ...control over something mm-hmm. versus what he is now. And you see her constantly clinging to his hands, to his arms, trying to get him back, like, under her protection or her advice, and it just isn't working. But so- nothing about her to me is... Like I, I don't believe anything she says. Nothing about I, I, she garners no, you know, sort of no uh, sympathy for me. Sympathy really, for me so I, by the end of this all. season, I'm starting to like, oh, she's pretty awesome. No. Right? Because, <laughs> because, I mean, because I mean, as much as she, you know, talks shit, she and Tyrion really do. They're on a different level than the rest of their family. Sure. You know, they're both really smart. They both kind of have a sense of humor. And so in that scene, I really liked the dynamic between the two of them. And I was like, all right, I can see her point of view a little bit. She's just got a psycho for a son. Oh, yeah. Tywin doesn't seem, seem to think she's very smart though yeah as he threw in her face the previous episode yeah you know what having joffrey still gives her agenda every day she yeah. still has an agenda to keep him under control and she did show her cards to marjorie a few weeks ago you know and she didn't normally True. do that but she still remains like a political mastermind and i really don't see her marrying <laughs> yeah but maybe she has another source of happiness coming because we get jamie finally making it back to king's landing I mean, who knows what she's going to think about him now that he's missing his hand, but at least maybe it's... You could tell. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, was that was pissed. really telegraphed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Him, like, yeah. looking down at the stump. <laughs> you could just, tell. Oh, no. Yeah. What she didn't that? stand up. She was right? just like, oh. Oh, man. You <laughs> can't even hold one, a sword anymore. You got one hand. Yeah. You're dirty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Probably <laughs> smells. with the beard. Right? Yeah. yeah. The beard. Come on, man. <laughs> Yeah, and then in the novel, he's also actually, I, I believe he's shaven his head off as well. He's totally scruffy, completely gone. So he also looks completely different as well if you read the books. Well, I mean, after this Lord of the Rings journey, I feel like he's definitely going to be a changed man. And I don't even know how much they'll have in common anymore, honestly. No, it's going to be him and, uh, what's her name? Rian, yeah. 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 I agree with that. I just wonder what Tywin's going to say. I mean, he was the golden child. Although the smart ones he doesn't seem to like, now he has his golden boys disfigured too. So we've got a whole nother point, problem. Tywin right. puts himself on a pedestal, and the only person up there was Jamie. Right. And now yeah. he finally has Jamie back, and Jamie's no longer going to be who he's expected to Jamie's be. Jamie's sworn to celibacy, right? As a as a white as a, as a, yeah. Yeah, a knight. Yeah. So he he is at the moment, but I don't think that's Tywin's plans for him. Okay. Because technically, uh, at the moment, Jamie's supposed to still inherit. Um, where they live. Casterly Rock. Right, Casterly yeah. Rock. So it's still supposed to be Jamie at this moment. But, I mean, 
he's, he is sworn to celibacy, so it's kind of that issue there. Of course, he already has children, but that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> I really like the parallels between Jamie and Brienne and Arya and the Hound. It's like enemies becoming friends, and I'd love to see like a real-world Westrios. Right, and they also have this... <laughs> I don't know if I want to see that happening. <laughs> Seven people from different houses. <laughs> But we do get also that moment with Cersei talking about needing to get rid of all their enemies, and Tyrion points out, well, every time we get rid of one enemy, two more seem to crop mm-hmm. up. So a- another moment with them and their difference in thoughts. So is Jamie going to keep his oath? Like, who's he going to return the Stark girls to? I don't know. <laughs> well, the only one he could possibly return is Sansa at this point, right? Uh, yeah, she, I mean, are there any Starks left? Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, in They're King's all Landing, off on their own. Yeah. yeah. In King's Landing, they think everyone's dead except for Sansa. So that's how they all... They don't realize that Bran's alive or Rickon. Right. Well, right, each yeah. one of them can operate that way at this point because none of them are together. So all of them in their mind has to kind of assume that they're the last Stark standing. Yeah. You have one behind the wall. You have one at Castle Black. Right. None of them knows each other's whereabouts. So they're all thinking that. They're all thinking they're alone. Right. But let's talk about them and about the Starks who are still alive and move on up to the Night Fort, which is where Bran is now at. Rickon and Osha have left. But Bran, Jojen, Mira, and Hodor are as he says, Hodor, for his entrance. He's giving great advice. Great advice. Thank you, Hodor. Uh, They're all up in the knife board, and they're telling these tales that Kristen mentioned about how Bran's talking about how he's heard from Old Man that the knife board's supposed to be haunted and all these horrible things that are in the knife board, and they start hearing some noises in the middle of the night. (laughs) What could it possibly be? And it turns out that Sam is now, as we kind of got that tip from him in the last episode, he was talking about this secret entrance that only he knew from reading about the knife fort. And now he has ventured through to the other side, and they meet up. And we get this meeting. And you don't really have that a lot of times Mm -hmm. in the show yet. It's pretty much just been everyone splitting apart to different ends. Yeah, I like that. But it's finally a meeting of groups who didn't really know each other. I was really excited about that. You can only meet someone when you don't plan it. You can't make plans yeah. in this show. Especially in LA. <laughs> well, just as long as you don't go to the twins, you're, you might be a better bit set. Just don't go to the twins. We now know. But Sam is, doesn't, isn't too happy about the idea of taking Bran back north. He's like, wait, what, what are you talking about? And Jojen, because he has green dreams, already knows about the White Walkers, which surprises Sam. But it is fun getting Sam's realization about who Bran is. Like, wow, I know you. I know John. And I know that's got to be your direwolf because I would know them anywhere. And he also happens to know about Hodor. Yeah, and he said he'll be his brother if, you know, he's brothers with John. He'll do anything for him. He's his brother, too. And then Bran asks if he'll take him beyond <laughs> north of the wall. Right. Well, not anything. <laughs> like, mm, don't know about that one. Mm. But Bran does end up heading out north of the wall. He shows, at least Sam leads the way to where to go and shows him this secret entrance, which is a lot more involved but he he finds out and they all leave so Bran is with Hodor, Jojen and Mira they're all heading north of the wall where Sam then makes it back and he's back at the wall needing to explain to uh, the maester about maester Amond about Gilly I I was still stuck on Bran I feel bad for Bran because I feel like he didn't ask for this life he was like I wish I could go with you too to Sam and Gilly you know and it's like he didn't ask for these powers, and he's gotten, he's like this going to be the, almost this superhero that he didn't ask for all these powers, but now he's gotten a guy to like save the world. Yeah, <laughs> well, well, he was climbing around the tower and keeping <laughs> it on people, so maybe, no, he's but yeah, he fly. doesn't deserve it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, now Hodor gets the dragon glass as well. 
Um, so now, being that Bran can control Hodor, as we find out, that's right. pretty much he's equipped with the right weapon for the White Walkers. Right. So I'm, I'm glad that they prepared. acknowledged the dragon glass because we thought it was left behind a few episodes. Yeah, I feel like it's got to be some other dragon glass because yeah. that was funny that if you think back a couple episodes, Sam just left it there after using it. Like, what are you thinking, Sam? And the one thing that kills these guys, and you just leave it hanging? Clearly he didn't. He found it. Not he really found not. it. Or he has a so, I mean, I'm just wondering, was it some other bit? Because we didn't yeah. see him running back. I don't know. Maybe he had yeah. more dragon glass with him. Gilly remembered, ran back. He manufactured Yeah, Gilly's like, glass. what are we doing? <laughs> Let's run back. <laughs> so Sam does make it, though, to, um, with Gilly. They, they do make it. So they're back at Castle Black, and he is explaining to Maester Aemon about Gilly and kind of the words and his new thought about the words, because they didn't really think about it before. Before it was all wildlings, but now it's oh, the words were protect, protect men, and the wildlings are men. And the, apparently, this is really all about the White Walkers, so having that realization about what everything was actually about. Mm-hmm. And that was like the realization of the episode, and that gets transferred when Master Raymond sends out all the ravens to right. notify all of Westeros of what's happening. And now the question is how many people are going to care, and we're going to talk about the one, at least one king who does care of the many, many kings. I feel like Sam and Gilly, their relationship is like the only one that's really blossoming and might survive this harsh world. What do you guys think? <laughs> I hope not. Well, I mean, I do. Sorry. <laughs> uh, I don't like them. <laughs> Sorry. They're really awkward. I just can't get over it. But Gilly loves him. He's well, so smart. And he, he became a hero, way. too. It's, it's yeah. nice to see Sam actually, you know, finally do something and stand up for himself and all the stuff that, that we've been watching. It's been a good journey for him. One Sam episode. has had a lot One of One episode out of three seasons. Well, what do you want from a guy, you know? <laughs> she asked He's the much. only person who killed a white walker. Sarah wants thousand everything. Years. Exactly, it's just weird. Sam's a badass. He's a wizard. Sam Sam is one of those characters that we've seen a lot of character growth from this season, from before when it was Sam the Craven, and now Sam is now the man, because he did kill a White Walker, and he is actually talking to Maester Aemon, not backing away, afraid of what Maester Aemon's going to say, and talking about his realizations. Character growth. Good job, Sam. (laughs) (laughs) No, he's very honest, and there's something to be said about honesty in this world. Yeah. But another relationship that we have at the same time is we've got Egrit catching up to Jon Snow and doesn't seem oh. to be too happy with him for whatever reason, maybe abandoning her, I don't know. Uh, but he is, Jon Snow gives her this speech about how she always knew who he was, I love you, you love me, and doesn't believe that Egrit's going to actually act on the bow in his face, but she, she does. <laughs> I didn't think she was either. I thought that they were going to have some reflection about her killing the other wildling because I'm like, how'd she show up all by herself without a horse following the guy who's on a horse? But she's fine. Yeah. And she, so it doesn't really make sense to me. Um, but she did stand up to her. I mean, she basically stood up for him in front of her people, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and then and then in front of all of them, he, he turned his back on her. So, Okay, but know. if her mission was to kill him, shouldn't she have brought the other wildling with her? No, I think that you know she wanted to do this by herself. Oh, you know, this was to her on her own. Thing. Yeah. It's a woman. Power yeah, it's just thing. a woman power thing. This oh, was the very it. beginning of a woman's movement. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna, you'll see it in season four. <laughs> Dealt with with a laugh track. So for those of you who were freaked out about the red wedding, don't worry, you've got the women's movement coming in season four. Right, yeah. that good. already the started. Pink wedding. <laughs> on the other coast. Oh, yeah, back in Essos. You're right. Good point. That did already start. You know what? I feel like John, the first few seasons, was like a bland character, and some people are saying that now he's moving south of the 
further south. He's sort of thawing out, and he was just really cold the first two seasons. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I, you know, I feel like they both betrayed both sides to be together. And it's kind of like this show is kind of saying, again, you know, sometimes love isn't enough. And I think that's an important theme that everyone can understand. Maybe Egret, not so much at the moment, but <laughs> it is. It's like sometimes it's not enough. And, it, and if you have to sacrifice so much in order to be together, you know, at, yeah. what, at what cost? And I was, I was glad that they had this scene, too, because if you, if you read the books and you watch last week's episode, it was actually during the chasing scene that Egret did this. And I was kind of thrown off because I was like, oh, I guess they're not having Egret shoot John with arrows. So I was glad they had this scene. It was a nice moment, too. It was, it was a great moment to have in this book that, where you get, okay, it was a nice moment. Not, maybe nice isn't the right it's word. It's a really nice, it's just nice, nice sweet. moment. It was just yeah, kind of sweet. I mean, sweet. this is how all my relationships yeah. end, Every couple actually. needs to go through this. It's yeah, okay. yeah. I have about six arrow wounds right now. Right. <laughs> Uh, so, really? Yeah. <laughs> I love scars. <laughs> she did kind of move really fast, though, because after one night in a cave, she, they, she was ready to like live and die together, and she was repeating those words that they do at the at the Stark weddings, so the words of the North at a wedding, you know, yeah. to John. So she was moving a little fast. I'm These not, people get married without talking to each other. So <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, not like she's I mean, they over at least 14, knew each other. Like, for that a few gives days. her a lot of experience. <laughs> yeah, right. they she's didn't meet at the altar. <laughs> She has had a relationship before, yeah. which in this world you don't see. Because yeah. everyone, when you get married, that's your first relationship. Maybe the relationship should start once you get married. You know, they, might <laughs> la- they might last longer. I don't know. But she, she's, clearly, though, she's heartbroken. And that's why she does this. It looks like from this scene you get that she is completely heartbroken. But John, I mean, first it doesn't seem like he's going to make it. But it looks like he does make it back to the wall. And Sam catches him. And John gives a little look. So we get that John is... Maybe okay. We don't really know, but at least he's hanging in there somewhat. We didn't Hopefully. see where the last arrow went. It's, it's at least it's better <laughs> than the last week's ending to the Starks, where we knew they were all finished. At least there might be some hope. Maybe, maybe. unless we see. I don't know. Maybe we'll see. Um, maybe we'll see his direwolf on his head next week Possibly. or next year, next season. No, everyone hates you right now. <laughs> all right, I'm done. I'm, I'm just gonna... Okay, so. <laughs> Uh, let's move on to where we get the letters sent to, which is Dragonstone. And that's where we finally get Davos reading this letter from um, all the way from the north, reaching them. But before that happens, we have Davos chatting with Gendry. And Davos is kind of siding with Gendry and talking about how, hey, we were both raised from Flea Bottom and became more than we realized. And trying to tell Gendry about how much they relate. And Gendry doesn't quite trust Davos after all the leeches and things that <laughs> happened to him. And Melisandre, but at least the leeches weren't quite as bad as um, Roose Snow, Roose Bolton, and his bastard. Not as bad as that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so we, get, uh, we, we do get that scene with them, and Davos really signed with them, and going and standing up for Gendry in front of Stannis Baratheon, and really standing up and saying that, hey, I think this is wrong, you can't just do this. It turns out now you guys are related to each other, and you're going to just straight up murder mm-hmm. a Gendry? Do you think the voodoo leeches and the bad juju was what was responsible for Rob's death? Just curious, guys. I mean, no, no. <laughs> but I don't believe in voodoo leeches. <laughs> that's what's so hard. I mean, that's what's so or brilliant Gigi. about these books and this show oh, is Gigi. that you don't know who, you know, which set of gods or which type of magic is going to be mm-hmm. the magic or the exactly. set of gods. And it seems like they all kind of exist. And they all have reasons for you to believe in them. And so it's you know and and. 
like you know this ev- this supposedly evil god at the end of this episode is now kind of doing the right thing against the white walker so it's this question of who are you rooting for and whose magic is the magic that's going to win i i love that about this show right and it does raise a question of morality and as you were saying who are you rooting for because there is it's so gray of what's right and what's wrong in this world and who's the good guy and who's the bad guy because at first you're rooting against the right god and everything that it stands for when you see Melisandre. But then now that it's like, oh, well, they want to fight the, the north of the wall and they want to fight the White Walkers. But then maybe the White Walkers are the good guys. I don't know. <laughs> Probably not. White Walkers <laughs> and dragons. <laughs> Only good things. But yeah, there is north of the wall. You have the White Walkers, which is that whole sect. And then now you have the red god and all of his powers we've already seen come true. You have dragons now being alive and every magic that you could possibly think of is coming back. Well, that's what a friend of mine was, we were talking about this, and we were just talking about how the magic used to exist outside of Westeros, outside of the Seven Kingdoms. You had above the wall, and you had Essos all the way over there, and the magic was there, but now it's slowly infiltrating the Seven Kingdoms with Melisandre, with the Band of Brothers, with Bran. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of as Game of Thrones is growing, we are getting more magic with each character. And I'm really glad we got that slow integration of magic because if that show, if this show started off this way, a lot of people aren't as into fantasy right. as they right. are the genre of like medieval times. Right. And I wasn't particularly years ago, but now I know I'm getting older and I'm more open to things. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I was just going to say, like you know, with the fantasy elements, I like how they're slowly integrated into this show. Come on, but Lord of the Rings, that was a long time ago, and that was amazing. I recently <laughs> watched it. I would agree with you. It's like as we learn with the characters about magic they become more relatable like we're on the same level as them so game of thrones is saving nerds everywhere fantasy is awesome yes thank you game of thrones and george rr martin someone on the interwebs actually compared gendry to gatsby about their like humble beginnings and then like climbing and i just really loved that comparison chris also loves gatsby by the way no there so we have davos too we we get him learning how to read with shireen barath or shireen and, and yeah, so with Shireen and the little girl, the little girl that's Stannis that's Stannis's daughter, daughter. Um, the, so who has the scarred face, and she's helping him read, and he's reading these letters, and he gets to this letter from the Night's Watch that he starts reading before he hears these bells toll, and we kind of get that continuation of it a little bit further on, but um, it, it turns out that that's everything that Maester Aemon had said, and thank God that. Davos had learned how to read because otherwise no one would have noticed this, no one would have cared. It was all Davos's idea that, hey, this is actually really important, everything happening north of the wall. And I really love that he gave Gendry the credit so that Stannis was like, okay, good, I spared him. Yeah, yeah. So it is, though, that is what happens, though. So Gendry, Stannis decides, needs to die. And as soon as Davos hears that, he's like, no, 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 that cannot happen. And he just wants to do what's right no matter what happens to himself. He goes and saves Gendry and then faces the consequences. But we don't know if – I mean we don't know essentially what Gendry's fate is. Right. Okay. Well, he goes attempts to save someone who can't row a boat and right. can't swim and sends right. him off to sea. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, can you swim? No. Can you move on a boat? No. Cool. Here's a boat. Luck. Go. <laughs> good luck, my son. All the tools you need. Yeah. <laughs> You'll learn along the way. You know what? He, Davos was stranded on an island with nothing. So no, you got a boat. You're fine. Yeah. At least you, know you have a boat. what? Some parents just need to throw their kids out to see. That's what birds do. Just, <laughs> the birds just hop out until they get to fly. I don't think there's a lot wrong with that. It's a little bird, a little raven, but... Well, he'll survive. He'll be okay. It's going to be toughened by this journey. 
Right. It's going to come up. But uh, now Davos does bring up this raven, this bird that comes, and he brings up the letter within to Stannis, and as Melisandre throws it into the fire, they realize that it's really the north, and that's where everything that's important is. The War of the Five Kings doesn't matter. This is what really matters and what's really important. And finally, one king understands that all the fighting between the different, the seven kingdoms, what does it matter if they're... They end up killing each other, then the north comes and invades. They really need to unite for this one cause. And, it, of course, Stannis throws out there, hey, guess what? Melisandre just saved your life. Yeah, I mean, this episode was almost unlike the rest that we've seen this season because it was about houses coming together, and that's where it seems like the plot's going. It's Game a change of tone compared mm-hmm. to all the massacres we normally see. Like, I would say that last week's episode was... The same movement as season one's finale. Right. Like, you got that same killing at the end, and this was a total flip. And I think that's what the whole next season's going to be about, is just this unity, and all of them have to kind of combine forces or they're all going to die. And that was the whole thing above the wall. That was what Vance Raider's message was, to get them to unite. To get all the wildlings to unite was that they were going to die. And it's a universal fear. Right. And it's funny, though, because you think about all these threats in this um, show, which with Daenerys, who's still kind of off in an area that no one has to interact with her. But in season one, you had the White Walkers as the very introduction scene to the entire show. And it was something that still, even with that scene, felt like this far-off threat that didn't matter for all the turmoil happening within the Seven Kingdoms. And finally, it's starting to infiltrate. And in this season, you're seeing it start to actually affect everybody in the kingdom. And you're getting that storyline finally starting to pay off. So it's nice to see that. But we do have Daenerys, who is that other storyline, whose storyline is growing slowly. And at the very end of the episode, they finally decide to have her. That was terrible. I mean, (laughs) she needs 30 minutes. Italy. That was bullshit. (laughs) That That was literally like three minutes. Have they ended every season with her? I'm trying to remember how season two ended. The first season did. I don't know if the season two did. But I feel like there's always this sense of, you know, her destiny sweeping in. It's just like (laughs) going to obliterate everybody else. she has 10 million men. Yeah. And three dragons. dragons. Yeah, that's the thing. Why can't she just take over the world (laughs) and be done? Just go do it. Yeah. Like, just do it already. Yeah, they shouldn't be worried about the White Walkers at all. Like, nobody will tell her. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, come on. And that is, though, that is the pan we get, the panoramic event. Every so many thousands upon thousands as the dragons fly everywhere. She and everybody's it. happy. She's got the unsullied, like the baddest. She needs to take over the world, Lisa. and then it will just be her story. Is that you what know? you're saying? Next yeah, season, just, everyone gone. Just, doesn't matter. She, you spend a season wiping everyone out. <laughs> and, and, and then season, if she's naked, that's, that's fine. Great. That's fine. <laughs> Riding the dragon not? naked, right? no, no that's problems. Fine. Yeah. And then the next season can be just her story. Yeah. You know, it's just her being cool to slaves. You know what I was kind of noticing on a totally different note? Um, I just I, I just kind of thought about this, that we see Jorah being the one who, again, is kind of talking to Daenerys, like, everything's great, he's the one introducing it, but what happened to Dario in this scene? Because oh, Dario was making this big... Uh, he's there. But he's he didn't really there. say anything. I was just like, Dario made that big mo- movement last week, and all of a sudden, he's just in the background. He's admiring her beauty. Oh, good point. <laughs> That's all well, he didn't he's have just time to say anything. Scene. It was like a three-second scene. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I want everything! Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, he's I, probably just thinking about the bath moment, I guess. The bathtub just, scene. The bathtub scene. Exactly. <laughs> you know, Danny's kind of been doing things that were counterproductive. She was offered the ships and everything and to set sail, 
and begin this conquest, and she decided to still liberate more slaves. And her, I mean, she's making calculated risks, but at the same time, it's slowing down her real agenda, but... But then she is getting more supporters and more followers, and her army is just mm-hmm. growing and growing as we see at the end Massive. of the scene. And that's what she we get from season two. She's talking about, I need an army. How do I get an army? How do I get an army? And this has been the season of her growth of her army. Suddenly she has Lonsoldi. She has dragons. She has all these slaves who seem like they would die for her as they're chanting out Misa, which means mother. So, And they then proceed to crowd surf her. But it's also... <laughs> which is awesome. It's also this weird way that the, the show and the books can sort of have their cake and eat it too. It's like, because really, when you're rooting for her, you're rooting for monarchy. You know, you're rooting for destiny, for That's one woman. True. So the fact that she's like freeing slaves is the only reason that she's an okay person. Otherwise, why would you be rooting for this woman to come kill all the Starks, come kill everybody? It's like, there's no other... I mean, and, 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 you know, because you're, she's you're hot. criticizing Joffrey. <laughs> you criticize Joffrey for being this like, you know, out of control king like we're all against tyranny but really that's all she's gonna she's just gonna be a queen she's just gonna rule over a bunch of people you know but having her free the slaves it's like a way to rationalize it's also it's all about the music and by the way play. i still yeah. uh, she will be the queen and marry gray worm and her and gray worm, <laughs> and gray worm. together i like that yeah that's a good call yeah. i mean she has enough children so she doesn't really need that's it to true. Match, right? that's it, true it's like with yara they played this amazing epic music when yara was going to go free theon so you're like i root for yara now and they play this epic music for daenerys and you're like i'm rooting for daenerys so true she has epic music george <laughs> that's what gets R. Martin, me. he's so manipulative yeah he is uh, did anyone watch those reactions to the red wedding last week by the yeah. way, so awesome on YouTube. On yeah. YouTube, just, amazing. I, I read the books and I was just watching Kristen all last week. Like, wow, is she gonna react? <laughs> Don't even want to know what I did. <laughs> Sarah screaming. Yeah, yeah, you were just like, whoa. I don't know. You didn't have the best reaction. I'm sorry. I wanted more from you. Let me down, Kristen. Let me down. It's never enough. Apparently, I need to scar myself a little more. I think that would help. <laughs> so, Let with, me do it for you. with uh, whoa, <laughs> some. Uh, so, with that said, let's go ahead and talk about the season in full because that kind of ended up the episode. What What did you guys feel about season three? Because for those of you who read, this is actually just half of the third book. And before they'd done the first book was a full season, the second book was a second season, and now the third book they've split up into. Uh, two seasons, and amazingly, I feel like it was actually paced still really well, even though it's just half of one book. Yeah, no, I I thought when I heard that it was going to be just half of one book, I was kind of disappointed because there are those slow episodes, but we always find out that we need them because they add weight to something that happens later. So I am now okay the fact that with speed we're we're going because I do love all these characters. And some of them are still underdeveloped. So there's a lot that I look forward to to learning about these characters. And we need that time in order to care about them. I would agree. I don't think it's been drawn out really at all. Like There are moments, obviously, because you need the character buildup. You need everything to before it hits its climax. But I like it making it longer. It's like when you see a movie that's divided in two, normally I'm like, oh, great, I have to wait another eight months. But I want this show to last for, like, forever. Yeah. So if they make the next book, like, three seasons, I would probably still be fine. Because it that's... gives me something to do. I yeah, think like... they had to... I mean, I also... The fourth book is the most boring book in the world. <laughs> and, it, and it focuses on none of these characters. If I remember, the Cersei is the only one of yeah. these characters that's in the fourth book. So I feel like they're probably going to end up distributing the third and fourth book into the next season. Well, I think also the fourth and fifth book go hand in hand for yeah. those of you who read it so at least I, they'll probably combine a lot of those storylines yeah. to at least kind of mesh it together but I'm sure I mean they bled a little bit into the second half of the third book here so 
Uh, they always kind of do that and bleed into the later books. You have to, though, when you're dealing, I think, with with an ensemble story like this. In or, and the only way to give, uh, you know, every actor and every character a chance to, like, actually gain any sort of, like, following and sympathy, you have to give yeah. them that, that much time. And for so, those of you who I, thought I, there were too many characters to keep track of, guess what? Now there's less. Hey! <laughs> They're all dying. We need them so we can kill them. <laughs> I have to say, too, I mean, just in terms of... Um, uh, filmmaking this season was incredible yeah, it was beautiful. to me so much better than the second season it felt more cinematic it felt bigger there was something smaller about the second season I'm not quite sure what it was they changed locations or whatever but the third season really felt bigger and I felt like all the actors upped their game like in the yeah. first se- first couple seasons it was hard it was hard to you know just tell like where everybody was going and, and the kids you were like okay you're okay you're kind of cute you, you know whatever. <laughs> but now it's like everybody is a, a solid actor and I really believe their character I believe yeah. in them and the distinctions between them I just think it's it's really come together yeah I agree and I, I feel like the second season this was something we talked about last year we thought it was a little bit slower than the first season yeah. so it is nice it feels like the third season brought it back to this huge scale and you really have to have those episode nine like oh my god moments apparently because right. season one had it with Ned yep. now this season has it with the Red Wedding and thank you everyone for still being here and watching the show because a lot of people were like I quit Game of Thrones. I quit it. I'm done with Game of Thrones forever. But that's, there went the rest of the show. That shows you how great it is, though. Because on any other show on television, if you killed off the main characters, no one would watch. But Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. people keep coming back. You kill off the lead, and everyone's still there waiting for the next person. Well, when you were watching season one, you thought Ned was going to pretty much be the lead character. And then <laughs> when that happens, you're just like, whoa, whoa, no show has ever done this. What? So it's great they take those things. That's what makes the show so interesting is because they take these characters that you really grow to love and they aren't afraid to have bad things happen to them. To just take their job and their food off their table. (laughs) From the actor They're not scared to do that. (laughs) See you later. You know what? They could have read the books and known where their characters were going, though. (laughs) <laughs> no, I feel like whenever there's a huge death like this, we grow to love these characters and root for them. And then when they do something like this to us, we take it personally. And that, you know, we've been offended. And just and we're just watching it. That's how you know you have such a great show on your hands. Yeah, and George R. R. Martin actually said after he wrote the third book, he received death threats from fans <laughs> for the Red Wedding. He actually received death threats. And That's it's not just, funny. Why am I laughing? <laughs> it's a little funny because people get so crazy into these things. And it's yeah. just like you have to remember that it's a story. And we get so into these characters and involved with them. You really do feel personally hurt when someone yeah. that you care about like that. These are my friends. <laughs> and now they're all dead. How do you feel? <laughs> so what did you guys take to be some of the overarching themes of the third season other than we're going to kill all your friends? Betrayal. I mean, yeah. who didn't get betrayed? Robbed by his own bannerman. I mean, yeah. and people who were guiding him flipped on him. It's just like you can't predict that. You have this code of honor in this world. Yeah. And you think that people are, you know, abiding by it just like you are. And the, but actually, the ones who don't seem to be the ones at the top at the moment. Well, I mean, the show surrounds like themes of like morality and spirituality, and there's like 800 layers and 800 connections. I literally think if I dissected the script, I could like match up people's lines. Like this person talked about a song, and this said, it's all about their crossovers and the same these people who are put in the same parallel positions but decide to make different decisions. Like Davos sending Gendry on its way, or like Shay refusing the diamonds where um, Jon Snow is like shot. Like all of those are the same decisions. It's about choosing love. It's about choosing your family. It's about choosing your side. 
and you get to see all these characters manipulate their situations and it's a really deep show like these people have like real minds and I love that at the same time you know opposite of betrayal you know you get like um, the hound and that storyline where it's exactly the opposite it's somebody help you know they, they help each other in need and um, today when with with uh, Gidry in, in jail you know uh, or you know in the in the cell like the same same thing so it's you know we find these people you know two people that have been basically set to you know set out on their island to die and, and come together and uh, end up saving their each other's lives you know yeah and I feel like we also get a lot of these themes of love going on that we've been talking about love. where you have Sam and Gilly's relationship you have um, with Rob Stark and his relationship, and th- with Talisa, and then you and also, the Kingslayer, and right. there's love there. Yeah, and with, Jamie, uh, what's her name? With Jamie love. and uh, Cersei. 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 No, no, no. And with Brienne, uh, yeah. oh yeah, with Brienne. Brienne. Yeah, you yeah. get a lot of moments Absolutely. there. And, and Jon Snow with the Grit, which I think was probably one of the more the most compelling relationships this season. We get a whole other layer of Jon Snow and the conflicting ideas, as Kristen was talking about how love can affect, like what can love withstand, what can it not withstand, and. Uh, can it even survive in this world? Right, can it even it survive in this world? Because, I mean, we, we see some of the strongest relationships, which was maybe Ned and Catelyn, and Catelyn always talks about how much she loves Ned, and I think that's a defining relationship that you hear about and talk about. And they were a set marriage. They were a set-up marriage in this world, and that was how they fell in love. And all these characters who are finding love outside of these set marriages, it seems to not really be working out for them, which I don't know. Maybe that's New George. Maybe that's, maybe that's just what George thinks. I don't know. <laughs> But yeah. I also like this power struggle, though, that I, I feel like you're seeing. You, you get these arguments throughout all the seasons between Littlefinger and Varys, and I feel like that's just been growing this season, where you're kind of wondering what do they represent and who are they really? Because in the first season, they're just these curious characters where you're like, I don't really know where you're coming from or what your thoughts are, and we're slowly finding out a little bit more about each of them. Yeah. And especially if Varys is being honest in this episode, you get a whole other layer of his onion peeled back of who he is. Yeah, we've got a lot of mysteries hanging in there. They're like... When are we going to see Littlefinger again? Or when are we going to see the Sorcerer in the Box? I mean... Oh, yeah, the Sorcerer like, in the Box. We've got all these little things going on. We also got Revenge as a theme. <laughs> revenge. Revenge is Varys. my favorite theme. <laughs> 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 I don't think I've made that clear yet, but... <laughs> I, yeah, it's, it's so great to see someone actually go and get what they feel like, you know, they've been wronged, and then you get to see them on this journey of being, like, torn down to nothing and and then they can rise from that and it's just like Gendry and Gatsby coming from humble beginnings and yeah. that climb but these people have like real motivations that we are witnessing and we're on their side rooting for them to get up and and you know go kill yeah <laughs> <least> i am <laughs> well so, Kristen likes death gatsby and revenge, revenge. yeah we've learned <laughs> a lot and scars and scars that's important all right so what are you guys looking forward to for season four what, what are you guys hoping to see khaleesi <laughs> what? yeah let's look at some people who haven't read the books what, what do you guys want to see who haven't read the books i want to see Arya. Arya is my favorite somehow she needs to either gain a dragon or something, and then I'll be I happy. I want to see some of these, like, huge armies come together and, and fight it out. Like, yeah. I'm ready for them. I mean, they've been talking about it for three seasons. Like, I want a showdown. You want the full battle scene. I want the ba- – I want, like, yeah, I want you the full want, battle. Like, who's your best warrior? Who's your best no, warrior? No, 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 no. I want a full, like, okay. you know, like, Mel Gibson yes. speech, and then, you know, <laughs> drink Braveheart, and then go. Battle scene. 
We'll yeah. work on that. Yeah, they've managed to avoid that pretty much, haven't <laughs> yeah, they? Yeah, that's all they do yeah. is talk about it. Yeah, because right. even when Rob won all those battles, we no, never got to see it. And yeah. Tyrion yeah. got hit over the head and fell over in season one before his battle. Right. But season two, we get to see the Battle oh, of the Blackwater. Yeah. So you have you that. that was the yeah. episode nine big thing that, that happened last but season. But we need like a big battle scene. I mean, maybe they're just trying to like hold up the anticipation for the White Walker battle. Okay. Well, Possibly. here's my question. So, okay, season one, two, and three, we've had giant. Season one, it was Ned Stark died in episode nine. Season two is Battle of the Blackwater. This season was. It was the Red Wedding. What do you guys think is going to happen in episode nine of season four? Because clearly episode nine is the episode. Joffrey's death. That's what no, you think. that'd be good news. So you it believe in the leeches then. The juju. Yeah, the bad juju. juju. Voodoo leeches. Yeah. That's what I, that's what I believe. Yeah, they, they won't kill Joffrey. They can't kill Joffrey. Yeah. He's too good. <laughs> well, I cannot wait to see what happens. Bran can get into his head now. That's true. Where were you? That's true. Yeah. Well, I cannot wait to see what happens next season. So, guys, thank you so much for joining us tonight. We really appreciate it. And we actually had Kyle Maddock in the audience who was here last week with us. We have Rob Gold, who's one of the fans. Thank you so much for coming out tonight. And, guys, everyone who came in, thank you so much for joining us. Once again, my name's Dave Klein. You can find me on Twitter at TheDaveKlein or go to my website, djk-online.com. If you enjoyed watching this at John Lovitz, we're at the John Lovitz Comedy Club at Universal City Walk. That's at John Lovitz Comedy. So check out Mad Men. They're going to be doing a giant show in a couple weeks as well. And would you guys like to go around? Where can we find you? What's your Twitter handle? Oh, uh, at Ryder Strong. And um, I have my own podcast called Literary Disco, if anybody's into Woo! books. Uh, and disco. Yeah. <laughs> Dancing while reading, right? And I'm Sarah Stratton. Thank you all for coming. I'm Kristen Elizabeth Snyder, and you can follow me at Cinematic Escape, or you can check out my blog, Google, or Bing, Cinematic Escape. Eric Layden, you can follow me on Twitter, at Eric Layden, or that's it. Stealing my style. That's all you can do. That's all you can do. I don't know what this is, Eric. I don't know. I know. I, and God, come on, man. I should have known better. <laughs> all right. Thank you guys so much for coming. Thank we appreciate you. it. From Bing.com, executive producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.